Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The story of the day, the story of the week, and it may be for the entire year. We'll have to see how this world continues to spin is the cheating controversy with the uh, Houston Astros uh, and the fallout thereafter. Here to give us some in-camp insight is the Astros reporter for Houston Sports Radio 610. He is down in Florida. Brandon Scott joins us now here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Keeping you busy in camp, are they, Brandon? Definitely, man. There's not a dull moment at all. Maybe yesterday you could have considered to be a bit of a dull moment since uh, most of everybody had spoken the day before, and there was a little bit more of a focus on baseball. But, man, it's just been a whirlwind the entire time I've been here. Understood. Um, when did the players get to camp to have the organizational meeting to discru- uh, to discuss as a group how they wanted to handle it once they first had to meet the media? So that was clearly Wednesday, Wednesday evening, and and I can I can say that for sure because I was actually on the same plane as Jose Altuve. So so that means he got here exactly the same time that I did. Uh, as media, we didn't do much that day. We kind of camped out at the facility, wanting to wanting to see what kind of glimpse or what we could get. We knew they wouldn't be available that day, but we were hoping maybe we could get some something. Uh, but but it was definitely Wednesday. I can tell you that for sure because that's when I got here. And like I said, Jose Altuve was on the same plane. Gotcha. So they all got together on Wednesday night, discussed how they were going to handle their business going forward, and it came out that Jim Crane, as he should, as the owner of the team was going to be the lead speaker and the face of the response. He couldn't keep his players from being questioned about what transpired, what they did, how they did it, how they are feeling about the punishment that has or hasn't come down. But Crane got to be the front guy. Uh, How long have you been doing this following a team beat? Well, following the team beat only for about two years between both of them. I was at one of the TV stations here in Houston or out in Houston before this, but I, I've lived, I'm a native Houstonian. I've lived in Houston for all of the 30 years of my life and rooted for the Astros for the entire time. So I've followed the team since the very, since the very beginning of, of what I can remember um, and, and from a media side just the last couple of years. Do you ever remember anyone botching a uh, media session as much as Jim Crane did the other day? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the main and the main part we're talking about, right, is the open contradiction where he says that, that the cheating did not impact the game, and then seventy seventy some odd seconds later he says that he didn't say that when we clearly had just heard him say that. I, I've never seen that before, and it's shocking for me. I was sitting on the front row of this somewhat of a, a, a sham of a, of a media session because you know the players weren't allowed to answer questions in the moment. We were able, we were able to get to them later on in the locker room, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting in the, sitting there just baffled by the whole thing. The idea that someone like Jim Crane could arrive at such a such a place in his life where he's this successful, a billionaire, able to 
buy the Astros and be the owner of the Astros and have all of the success in his life to be at the same time so tone deaf and clueless as to what that moment called for from him as the leader of the team. I know Carlos Correa came out a bit and defended him a bit as, uh, today as someone who doesn't play baseball and doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs of baseball and what what necessarily constitutes a, an advantage, a competitive advantage. Um, but at the same time, when you had as much time to prepare for the moment as Jim Crane did, and I say that because not too long after this report, uh, this January 13th report from the commissioner's office, Houston, in Houston we had something called the Houston Sports Awards. It's, it's really kind of a, it's a local thing, obviously. But Jim Crane was there. He, he was on set with us at 610, and that's when he told us right then and there, and this is, a, again, a month in advance that these guys would be coming to camp or to, 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 to spring training and that they would be apologizing. So what we've been anticipating this for about three weeks or more, and for this to be what it turned out to be was baffling, to say the least. You mentioned Carlos Correa coming to the aid in the defense of his uh, owner. He tried to do that with his teammate today with a story about a tattoo. I'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But when when did Carlos get the uh, title of being chief defender of all things Astros? Uh, that's, that is a great question, Jody. Like, that, that is a, a fascinating question because as good as Carlos' career is, and you got to remember, this guy was the number one overall pick. I want to say he was like 17, 18 years old, number one overall pick in, in 2012 has been a protege ever since, has been, been compared to Alex Rodriguez and all of these things, but he had never been considered the team leader. Even even uh, Jose Altuve, obviously, is the team leader. He was here even back when they were bad. But even Alex Bregman, who came on the team, who was drafted after uh, Carlos Correa, had been considered more of a team leader than Correa had up until this moment, like up until – Thursday, when he, he honestly was the, was the first one, or the, 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 the I guess the one who spoke most candidly about the scandal and about the ins and outs of it, and obviously he went into a much greater detail today. But to answer your question, Wednesday, Wednesday, because he was not that before. No, well, and uh, I I don't know that he's done either himself or the Astros. Too much good with the defending. I, I appreciate the effort, but then you got to be able to pull it off, and I don't know that Carlos Correa has done that. Uh, I'm sure you've been dealing with today the story about uh, the tattoo that was or wasn't. Um, Correa came out with an explanation as to that's why Altuve didn't want his jersey ripped off when he hit the game-winning winning home run against uh, the Yankees and Araldus Chapman. Float, uh, photos are floating online after the fact that show that Altuve doesn't actually have a tattoo on his collarbone. I guess it depends on whether you consider your collarbone the front or the back. Uh, he surely doesn't have one on the front. I'm not sure if he does or doesn't have one on the back. Uh, the Astros are trying to handle this as best they can, but it seems to me like they continue to open mouth and insert foot. How much worse can this get? It's, it's pretty bad, Jody, but I will say that this whole thing about the tattoo and the buzzer in, in, in Game 7, in, in the, or the buzzer against, I should say, uh, with the walk-off hit against Aradis Chapman, all of that has, to me, has come off as a bunch of minutiae. I do think that the Astros have earned the level of skepticism that they've gotten. That's what I've been saying from the very beginning. Whether it's true or not, I think that the fact that people are questioning it, questioning it is a direct result of their own actions. And so they, I think that they can only be so upset about it. Like, 
I think Justin Verlander put it best earlier before we spoke to Carlos Correa. He said, we dug our grave and we're in it. And that's exactly what it is. They dug their grave and they're in it. Whether it's true or not, I think the point actually is that these guys cheated at some point and can't really be trusted. The word can't be trusted. Now, in full disclosure, I actually believe in Jose Altuve, and in that moment, uh, I, I, I honestly do. Um, and as far as the tattoo is concerned, there, there is a picture out there of, of a tattoo. I don't know whether he has a tattoo or not. I don't know whether that's an actual valid excuse for what happened. It is odd, all of it, saying not to take my shirt off when he does have multiple pictures on his Instagram account with, uh, with, of him shirtless. It is an odd thing. You heard Cody Bellinger and I believe Gary Sanchez of the of the New York Yankees saying you could rip off rip off all of my clothes if I hit a walk off off of a pitcher the caliber of Aroldis Chapman to send my team to the World Series at home. There's there's nothing that you that you can't do to me in that moment, given the excitement that I would have. But this is my point about it, Jody. This is the the, the point that I actually really want to make, and it speaks to Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa made the point on Wednesday that. They did more of the sign stealing, more of the trash can banging nonsense back in the regular season than they did in the postseason. And if we're going to take him at his word on that, and I don't know if that's true or not, but let's just, for the sake of the argument, take Carlos Correa at his word and say that they did more of this during the regular season than they did the postseason. Wouldn't that invalidate the regular season? And how do you get to the postseason with regular season success? Sure. So this whole this this whole discussion, to me, honestly, about whether they cheated the the Dodgers out of the World Series, to me, is 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 a moot point because the real discussion is whether they cheated the entire league, specifically the American League, in getting to the postseason in the beginning. Like if we could go back and if we, and if someone had nailed the Astros in the moment and said, "Hey, wait a minute, what they're doing is 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 not uh, is not above board." You, you would not have validated them being the American League West champions and going to the postseason to begin with. So we're putting the cart before the horse when we even talk about the Dodgers series. The question is, did they belong in the postseason to begin with if by their own admission throughout the regular season they were cheating? Very good point by Brandon Scott, Astros reporter for Houston Sports Radio 610, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, let me give you what I've experienced over the last 24 hours. I did a show in Philly last night, one in New York this morning, and now here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, so I've got a bunch of different perspectives on this, and it is ever-changing when new information comes out. I- I'm getting a lot of Manfred needed to do more, and he still needs to do more. That this is just not right, that the players are getting away scot-free, I don't care about agreements ahead of time for them to give evidence and the like. If that's the case, then the Astros needed to be punished more than $5 million and draft picks for two years. That They should be stripped of their title. I, I just don't see that. I don't see it as a possibility. The only way I could possibly think that something like that could happen is if more evidence comes forward and the scandal and the cheating was even more prevalent than it was believed to be and that the players blatantly lied in what they told uh, to Rob Manfred during his investigation. Is there any fear of that in Houston right now? 
I don't think so, honestly. Uh, and, and I'll just say, to me, the idea of stripping titles, I find to be kind of lame. What I think that they could do, what I think would be a, a valid punishment for the Astros and where it would really hit them is if there was a postseason ban now. Now, you could argue that that wouldn't be fair to the players who are on the team now who were not involved in the scandal and who were not a part of it in any way. I could certainly see that. Like Jordan Alvarez, for example. Here's a guy who was a rookie last year and was a great story uh, in the American League and for the Astros, and he has nothing to do with this. You know, like, like he, he has no tie to this. He should have an opportunity to have a great season and perform in the postseason. But the Astros themselves, I think that a valid punishment for them would be to look forward and to say, hey, you guys have to pay for this. You can't really strip the title because what are you going to do? You can't replay it. You can't really definitively say what would have happened had they not done it. There's just so much unknown there, and, and I think that that's a slippery slope because if you go back and start stripping titles, especially in baseball where cheating is prevalent, by my count, going back about 100 years, I, I, I don't know where it would stop at that point. But what you can do is look toward the future and say, hey, this was not handled correctly. Uh, they, they deserve the players have not been punished, other than Carlos Beltran, who's no longer a player. And, and there has to be some level of accountability. It is not fair that these players, who I personally have been a fan of and like, okay, just to be, just to be in full transparent with you, I like these players. I like this team. But it is not fair that they get to go and – and rectify or massage or or do something to better their legacies or do something to better their public perception, where A.J. Hinch, who was, by all accounts, the least culpable of anyone, but I guess until today when, when Carlos Correa said that Jose Altuve never used it, but A.J. Hinch, who was the least culpable of anyone, has been suspended and lost his job behind this. And you mean to tell me that these players are at spring training getting ready to make another World Series run possibly? That does not sit right. I don't believe that that's fair. Going back and taking away a World Series, I don't know if you can really undo it. We all saw it. We all remember it. It's already undone in, in the eyes of, of, of the public. Public perception, I think, is already taken a, a – I guess the Astros are taking a big, a big enough hit through the eyes of the public. So you could can, can say that that's, that's the remedy for the 2017 World Series. But going forward, I do think that Major League Baseball could have been harsher on them on what, they, uh, on what the punishment ultimately was. All right, Brendan, last thing. No, you had a chance to talk to Justin Verlander today. Uh, he's a pitcher. The cheating aided the Astros hitters, which would then in turn improve the pitchers' chances because they were scoring more runs. But the pitchers didn't get a specific leg up themselves. Verlander has been outspoken his entire career, and not surprisingly, he's outspoken again here, and he's coming to the defense of his teammates. What effect does Justin Verlander have on this team going forward with dealing with this scandal? Well, Justin Verlander is clearly a leader on the team. I mean, he was an established guy when he got here, you know, from from his time with the Tigers. So, uh, so Justin Verlander has the respect of the locker room. And I like it that he still has the the respect of of the rest of Major League Baseball. He's a rational, calm voice. He's a reliable guy. He's a professional. You know, so, uh, so 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 it helps to have somebody like that, especially somebody who wasn't directly involved in the trash can banging, who wasn't directly, didn't directly benefit from it, like say Carlos Correa, who's been the other face of this. 
So I think that helps. We asked Dusty Baker about that too, and, and, and he basically echoed what I just told you. It's good to have a veteran like that, a level head like that. So I'm pretty sure that they appreciate it. But at the end of the day, Justin Verlander, even though he had just gotten there uh, midseason or toward, you know, right just a hair before the trade deadline that year, you know, famously right before the trade deadline that year, um, he still had an opportunity to speak up as a veteran, as someone who had that cachet, as someone who had that credibility coming in. He had an opportunity to say something, and he didn't. And I think he's taking some accountability for that in his own words, but but I don't think that that can be overlooked either. Brandon, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. I'd say keep busy, but I don't think you have any choice at this point. Uh, appreciate hey. <laughs> you hopping out with us for a couple minutes tonight. Hey, I don't have any choice. I wanted to mention this. You talked about the weather earlier. I wore shorts today. It rained, but I wore shorts today, so it's not nearly as cold as Sticking a knife uh, in, knowing that it's 16 degrees here in New York and pointing out how warm it is down there in Florida. I'm working my tail off. Go go back and hop in the pool before you call it an evening. (laughs) Have a good time, Brandon. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.